Cristiano Ronaldo stormed down the tunnel before Manchester United's win over Tottenham had been signed and sealed, and he left Old Trafford as an unused substitute, an expensive spare part. A bit like that costly bread maker or fondue set that you used for a bit and then stowed in the kitchen cupboard. The brutal truth is that football moves on quickly, and while Ronaldo remains one of the greatest ever to lace up a pair of boots... Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag simply no longer need him. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. We always need betting expert Mark O'Hare. I have no plans to cram him into a cupboard anytime soon. Uh, Mark, United just produced arguably their most complete performance under Eric Ten Hag as they beat Spurs. They're just a point off Chelsea in the race for the top four. They're 2.92 on the exchange to finish in the top four. Is that a good value bet or not right now? Good question. Uh, United, I yes, think... Yes, that's are, what I'm here for. <laughs> um, United, I still believe, are a work in progress, but I think there are plenty of positives at the moment, particularly after that performance we saw against Tottenham, but also the competition they're up against. Um, none of their major kind of opponents, apart from Manchester City and obviously Arsenal, are, are thriving right now. Now City will be nailed on for a top four, regardless of what happens between now and the end of the season, I think. We I've told you about that. making bold predictions. Stop <laughs> it, Mark. You have to be realistic about these things. So if we count City as one, um, Arsenal clearly are going on, going on a, a good projection right now. But uh, Liverpool starting to battle their way back into a position of promise. Chelsea obviously going on fairly steadily under, under Graham Potter, which I'm sure will come to head of their match against United. So... Um, would I be backing United at the price? Probably not, to be honest. Um, I still think there's uh, plenty of, of football to come and most of their sort of um, impressive performances so far have come at Old Trafford. I've yet to really see them convince away from home and, and sure, they can probably thrive and continue to sort of push on and play some adventurous footballing and get some results by playing predominantly um, at Old Trafford. Uh, you don't necessarily need a strong away record to, to finish in the top four, but it, it will help. And that's why I think this weekend is it's going to be really interesting when they go to Stamford Bridge because it's... Uh, going to be a really good barometer of where both of these clubs are right now. Um, Chelsea, who at the midweek went to, to Brentford, a local a local derby, you could say, and I think they were second best, even if the game ended ended 0-0. They didn't create a huge amount. I think there was only four or five shots in the box. Brentford uh, had the better of the opportunities. Kepper, again, was was called into plenty of, uh, in plenty of um, making good saves. And I think that's the thing with Chelsea at the minute. Uh, the results are probably looking quite good, whereas actually if you look at the individual matches, they've come under pressure in, in quite, quite a lot of them, if not all of them. Um, the first half against Crystal Palace, they rode their luck. Last weekend against Aston Villa in the first half, definitely rode their luck again. Uh, they have been playing what seems to be in second gear. Uh, they weren't pushed very hard by Milan home and away. So um, I'm still yet to see what this Chelsea team um, are really capable of if they do step up a few gears. And I think if they do, they probably are not just a match, but they are probably better than Manchester United right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be backing it, but I, I do think United are probably on the right road right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, what I would say about the game midweek, Spurs were, it was a very puzzling and confusing performance from Tottenham. Um, yeah, There's a lot expect... of those at the moment, especially away from home. 
Yeah, that, that's it at the minute. It's, they're very, uh, I think Jake's talk, talked about it, the sort of chalk and cheese effect of playing at home to compared to when they're playing away. And we know they like to counterattack. We know they like to sort of seed possession, invite teams on and, and hit them in transitions. But yesterday or, or Wednesday night, it was just very, very sort of laboured and confusing and puzzling in, in terms of how they went about their business. Um, United racked up 28 shots overall. And I think the, the first half tally was, was well sort of broadcast. I think United had 18 or, or 19 shots. But all I would say is, they didn't create huge amounts of clear-cut opportunities. They peppered the goal from distance a lot. So I think they only had four or five shots from inside the penalty area in the first half. And they do still need to improve in that department. I think Casemiro is obviously going to add a huge amount of balance to that midfield and in the midfield too, uh, alongside Fred and Eriksen can come back into the team. But it is quite an exciting setup right now. And Anthony's made a, a massive difference too. And he's a player I definitely would be focusing on if I'm looking at bets right now. He's racking up huge amounts of shots and um, I think his, his shot tally so far since starting in the Premier League, a 3-5-2 four and four and he's had at least three shots against Spurs, Arsenal and Liverpool landing a shot on target in each and through the bet builder actually on Betfair you can go through and select Anthony to have either two shots or three shots alongside a shot on target creates basically creating your own sort of double on Anthony uh, and you're getting nice prices around even money in, uh, and around that uh, which would really appeal he's also been quite underrated in the goal scoring markets as well he's, he's 10 to 3 4.33 to score at any time at Stanford Bridge That's big, which is a, isn't it it's a bigger price compared to Bruno Fernandes, who's three to one, and I think Anthony's going to be going to be in a in a position of promise much more often than than Bruno. He's already scored in three of his first five games already for United, anyway. So, yeah, I'd be sort of looking towards Anthony and score shop prices, uh, the player prop markets, uh, and goal scorer this weekend uh, in a match which I personally think might be a little bit underwhelming, actually. Um, against Chelsea, I'd be kind of looking towards the, the unders uh, and odds against Price there because, as I say, Chelsea, to me, still feel like there's a lot more to come. Uh, I'm not seeing it right now. Plus, both these two teams involved in, in very sort of hectic schedules right now, uh, playing Wednesday and again on Saturday, you know, it's a quick turnaround. We're likely to see plenty of changes from both and I don't think that's conducive to a high-scoring end-to-end game. But, yeah, sorry, roundabout answer to your question. No, I wouldn't be backing United for the top four. Okay, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Not really, not really. Uh, delighted to say that Maths Wiz and betting aficionado Mark Stinchcombe is with us once again. Stinch, United do seem to be making progress under Ten Hag. Chelsea making strides with Graham Potter. I looked at the match odds here. 2.16 Chelsea are. They're the favourites, clearly. Does that seem a bit out of whack for you? Mark's already said quite rightly that you know, they've they've had better results than maybe some of the performances have suggested. Yeah, perhaps. I think the issue here is with both teams being in transition, there's a lot of volatility for what we would consider maybe the true price. So you could put a number of different um, twists, I think, on. You could say, you know, Chelsea have won five out of seven under Potter, undefeated, only conceded two goals. That's a great price. I'd have them odds on. But then, you know, you look a bit deeper and say, you know, well, they were a bit, they rode their luck the last two matches. They're not exactly scoring for fun. So, you know, if it's going to be up against a resolute, deep, stubborn United team, then maybe that looks a bit low. So, yeah, I think you can look, look at it from a, from a couple of different points of view. Um, regarding United, um, the top four, um, you mentioned, I think, 2.92. I think if you fancied that, um, obviously, you've got to be wary that you'd have to tie your money up for, for you know, seven, eight months. Uh, and also, considering that sort of uh, price bracket, you look at the fact United were around about 11 to 8, 7 to 5 against uh, Spurs on Wednesday night. 
not two, not a million miles away from that 15 to 8. You're better off, I think, if you think Man United are going to go well to back them in individual matches and win, yeah. win your money instantly rather than tying your money up for a long period of time. So that would be that would be my take on it. And, and as we keep sort of alluding to a lie, it is a unique season. So I, I don't think you'd want to be committing uh, your money with you know the World Cup in between. Who knows if <clears throat> they were to pick up some key injuries or something like that and all of a sudden your bet doesn't look quite as good. So I think you're better off focusing on, on individual matches. When um, should Stinch, just to, just to point on this, because you've made this point a few times and it's absolutely right. When when punters look at those markets, like top four, top six, that kind of thing, what should they do? Should they be looking to do it anti-post if they think it's too big? Should they wait for it to get too big if they think that a team is is going to do well and go against the market when should they do it or actually are they generally markets that that don't hold that much interest i mean they should do it when the when the price is too big really that's the that's the and then trade of... out later or something like that yeah i mean that's a short and quick answer i mean <clears throat> around about this time last season when spurs appointed conte you know we looked at the top four markets saw spurs were seven to one we thought of his prowess we thought that price probably will trade shorter it did trade shorter a number of times but I think we discussed it a few times and I, you know I recommended happy to stay in you know um, wasn't anything to to suggest that we should trade out so yeah it just if, if it's value basically at the end of the day I don't think you know right. there's not a hard and fast rule you must back it before the start of the season you must you must wait a certain amount of time um, yeah just just whenever it in your mind is perceived value I mean if you do like United 15 to 8 maybe the way to go would be to sort of um, find other sort of top four top six um, outright bets you like in other leagues and combine them together to give yourself a, a bigger bigger payout essentially to make it more worthwhile um, that that would be that would be my take but yeah in, in my mind the market's always live like there's no there's def, there's definitely no um, reason that you should not look at it essentially as say perfect example is us picking up spurs at seven to one uh, yeah, last year that's right uh, in terms of this match, uh, I think Mark's covered it uh, fairly extensively. I, I really like the the unders here. Uh, under two and a half goals is the underdog. Uh, Ten to eleven on the on the sports book. I mean, uh, I mentioned the fact Chelsea have only conceded two in seven under Potter. They they have been quite fortunate uh, at times, but then in other games they have restricted the opposition to, to low quality chances. Uh, maybe Kepper is finally proving his um, his worth in terms of the the fee they paid for him. Um, but also we know Chelsea going forward haven't been very fluid at all even before Potter you know it's just 15 goals in, in 10 Premier League games which is not really in keeping with uh, their level that you would expect from them um, it's very mid-table I would say and I think it's quite um, ironic United themselves have only scored 15 in, in the ten in their 10 games so in my mind that's very mid-table really uh, in terms of their their output and it's also really in line with both teams' expected goals as well. You know, they are failing to regularly create high-scoring chances because they're in transition, in my mind, in terms of um, the correct formation or players maybe not sure where they're playing. I mean, Potter made five changes in the match against Brentford. It's not going to click instantly. Uh, Brohar made his, his first start. Um, it's going to it's going to take time, and that that was that was shown in in the in the match. Um, and for United, particularly uh, away from home, since that debacle at Brentford, their their games against lesser opponents, they, they've won 1-0, 1-0 and 2-1. Uh, 
um, but it's not matches they've kind of dominated. They, they've only actually averaged, they've averaged less than 11 shots across those. I think it was 12, uh, 12, 11 and 9, I think. So it's certainly not something that's dominating. Uh, I mean, I watched the game in full away against Leicester and once they scored, they just sat back and they, they really didn't yeah. create anything going forward. I mean, they didn't have to in the end because Leicester didn't offer a lot. But, uh, you know, in terms of regularly winning football matches, generally you want to be scoring at least two goals. So if the opposition do come back in, you, you have that uh, comfort. Um, and yeah, I think what's quite interesting is that the Premier League uh, is averaging 2.8 goals per game, but recently that's absolutely dropped off a cliff. And as of we're recording Thursday morning, as so as of Thursday morning, the last 18 Premier League games, 16 of them have been under two and a half goals. And I firmly believe that's got everything to do with the schedule catching up with sides, particularly yeah. those those in Europe that are playing every every three days. I mentioned it a few times. Um, and generally, these two teams, the last couple of seasons, that you know the managers may have changed, but the players haven't too much, and, and the games have been all low scoring, one 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 nil nil and nil nil. So there's four four draws there. And you know if t- if games are being drawn, generally they they do lead to to basically cancelling each other out and low scoring. So yeah, it's not maybe the most uh, uh, exciting bet to to be involved in but if you know mark mentioned about perhaps perhaps uh you know uh, a bit of a turgid affair so that always like leads to to low scoring games so yeah under two and a half uh 10 to 11 they're always exciting bets if they make us money trader and tipster extraordinaire Emmett o'keefe is with us Emmett. We don't hide who we support on this show. None of this. Oh, I'm going to be really neutral all the time. We don't do that here. You're a United fan. So first, before we talk about any numbers, stats, whatever, what do you feel about the Ronaldo situation as a fan? Because obviously he's a club legend. Obviously he's one of the greatest players of all time. We get all of that. But him wandering off before the game's even finished and then leaving the ground, it's not great, is it really? No. It's not. I, it kind of brings me back to something I mentioned around the end of the transfer window where I was just basically saying that I felt the United should kind of pay off his contract and, and let him go on a free transfer because I just felt that if he stayed, he'd be a bad influence and a kind of a hindrance to Ten Hag's kind of um, efforts to evolve the style of play. Uh, listeners might remember kind of in, in the first few weeks of Ten Hag's time at United, there was a story in The Athletic that Ronaldo was trying to influence teammates into kind of going against uh, Ten Hag's kind of high-pressing style of play. So, like, it's it's kind of... I think I think it's and then kind of now I think Ten Hag's bargaining position has changed. Early in the season, there was a sense of okay, United have United have shipped four to Brentford. He could be gone. Ten Hag could be gone in a couple of months, and Ronaldo could potentially be there, kind of lo- longer than Ten Hag. But that has now yeah. changed because the players are clearly playing for Ten Hag. The st- as in in the kind of the early season victories against um, Arsenal, Liverpool, they were kind of. They were really remnants of the Solskjaer era, where it's kind of underdog performances at home, playing in the counter-attack and nicking wins where you're not actually playing that well. Whereas last night was actually something close to what Ten Hag's vision for United is in terms of dominant football, pressing the opposition off the pitch, dominating the shot count, and kind of feeling at the end of the game like United clearly deserved, deserved the victory. Um, obviously, that's been aided by the, the addition of Casemiro and... It's just it's great to have a proper midfielder playing for United. I think the United haven't United haven't had a, a, a presence in midfield since the kind of Fletcher, Carrick, Carrick time now with their, with them, um, and especially since Ferguson Gill have departed. Just to have Casemiro and Eriksen when he plays, there's a real sense of kind of 
United can actually win the midfield battle in big matches, which has which has really not been the case for a long time. Like I think for Scott, Scott McTominay and Fred aren't bad players, but they're just not like they're just not players that other teams, the top six, would want. I think that's the real that's the real key. Well, certainly Where, not in their starting eleven. That, 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 that's exactly players, exactly yeah. exactly. So I think that's the other thing the positive about having Casemiro and Eriksson in the starting berths is that you might play Fred McTominay only maybe thirty games a season. They actually get more out of them rather than playing them playing in the 60 games and kind of and, and wearing them down a bit so yeah just but just kind of come back to Ronaldo I, I kind of feel like he, he like he possibly could could, could could kind of go in January because United United really don't don't really need him I think like I think when he plays as I've mentioned in the past Bruno Bruno Fernandez's output is significantly dropped he doesn't have a striker to hit yeah Marcus Rashford is far from perfect as a number nine, but he's actually only missed chances last night, but he actually looked quite good, I thought. His movement was sharp, and he's at least getting shots off, and he's getting into decent positions. So I'd be, yeah, I think you know, Ten Hag and United are in a far stronger position, whereas where where if they have to, I don't know, like kind of... Could have, could have just move Ronaldo to the side, or kind of, or or, or cause they say you're definitely leaving in January. I don't think any fan, a fan will bat an eyelid now. I think I think that the fans and the players are clearly behind Ten Hag. Yeah, it feels like it's a battle that Ten Hag's won. Even I mean, I thought he was going to do really well in the Europa League game against Amonia recently, and it kind of just floated around like a lazy ghost. It was like really strange, like he didn't really make much of an impact. Uh, on the game as it wore on. Um, in terms of this game then, Chelsea against United, with the analyst's hat on, um, how do you see this going? Because uh, as as I said to the guys, uh, uh, I think they're right about unders, and I yeah, just I'm, wonder I, if I that of, price I, I of the home wins too short. Sure. there, and the volatility is the real word here. I think you're, you're kind of not... We're kind of not sure what we're kind of getting from both teams. It's hard to really kind of say where both teams are at for, for, for the kind of rest of the season. Just the one thing I think we can say with certainty is that just Chelsea have the bigger injury losses here. Um, like Reese James is an absolutely major blow. Yeah. The drop off from Reese James to Aspilicueta at right full back yeah. just enormous. They've, that means now Chelsea have no real. Aspilicueta doesn't really give them any attacking punch down that side. And I think James, to be honest, is close to the best, to the best player in his position in Europe. And just and his loss was really keenly felt. He also massive gives them, for England as well. If you absolutely, that World yeah, Cup. I think just, yeah, massive yeah, for we'll England as well. If you miss that World Cup, Kyle Walker and James in the World Cup like that's. That's 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 a recipe for disaster. But on on specifically for Chelsea, and then as well like losing for Fana again is a massive massive loss. So then it, just for the weekend, if you if you think Chelsea, you're thinking about playing a back three. You talk about probably Koulibaly, Thiago Silva, and Shalaba in a kind of back three. And again, I would just play two players in their thirties, and then an inexperienced player part of that back three. I wouldn't have that much confidence confidence in that. And then we and then to kind of if you don't have much confidence in a back three, ideally you have a player in front of the in front in, in a kind of a, a midfielder screening them, making their lives easier. They were out in Golo Cante, so they have no real holding midfielder. So I think Potter, I think the Chelsea squad is flawed to begin with, but but then losing three of their most imposed most important components just makes it quite quite difficult. And at the prices, I would just slightly lean United double chance for further kind of reasons about I just think we're getting kind of a weak, a weak in Chelsea team who've been outplayed by Brentford and Villa in their way matches. So just yeah, the, the definitely more, probably question marks about more both teams, but slightly more question marks about Chelsea. In terms of bet, the one 
the price that stood. I think Casemiro to have a shot on target around nine to four looks fair to me. He's had seven shots to the last four matches, and he's at Real Madrid. He was kind of consistently, especially in the bigger matches, a bit of a kind of a goal scoring threat, both through the air and and from shots some distance. So yeah, that, that nine to four and Casemiro shot on target looks slightly big to me. Now, Mark alluded to it earlier. You can get a £5 free bet by staking a £5 bet builder on Chelsea against Manchester United. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus gambleaware.org. Mark, you were talking about Anthony, uh, who's done brilliantly considering he has an amazing left foot and then a kind of stick on the right-hand side that he, that he seems to despise. So uh, would you put Anthony in or is there something else you'd want to chuck into that bet builder? Yeah, I was going to nominate Anthony, um, but uh, obviously if Emmett wants to put forward Casemiro, I can I can alter. Uh, the, the options I would do for a, for a bet builder would be under three and a half goals. Uh, I think Stinch and I are pretty solid on sort of opposing a, a high goal line in this match. And uh, I think six of the last eight meetings between these two teams have gone under two and a half, let alone under three and a half. So um, I'd be happy to oppose goals. But yeah, I, I was looking towards Anthony in terms of the shot markets. Um, whether you want to back Anthony just to have uh, over one and a half shots or, or just a shot on target either or really. They're both similarly priced and both have hosed up against a quality opposition already since United have, or since he's come into the United team. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite warm on Anthony right now. I don't think we'll be getting these kind of prices and lines on him in the next month or so if he continues this kind of um, just taking pot shots from distance at every opportunity, really. He's shooting on sight and it's it's really good in these uh, kind of early weeks when the markets haven't really sort of caught up to those uh, up to those stats and trends. So, yeah, your call, Kev, what you want to take? Uh, well, Emmett, would you go for Casemiro then, given a free choice? It's all very collegiate. It's all very nice. Uh, Emmett? Yeah, I'd, yeah, I think we'd probably go for two shots on target selections under the bet builder. Yeah, so I think just looking at the prices here, we've yeah Anthony one or more shots on target, Casemiro one or more shots on target, under three and a half goals coming out around kind of six six to one ish, which is which is decent, I think. Oh, lovely! And Stinch hasn't even started. Come on, then Stinch, what are you chucking in? I mean, to be fair, like the lads were putting up sort of bigger prices so I, I didn't really have anything that stood out in that kind of uh, realm in terms of uh, odds ranges so yeah I was going to play it safe and take under three and a half like just well, for that extra security so there you go that well. can be Stinch's <laughs> selection so Stinch has the under three and a half Mark has Anthony and Emmett has Casemiro there we go we're all sorted I should work for the UN or something like that maybe uh, <laughs> it was it was all looking a bit brighter for Everton under Frank Lampard we even had a show where Jake didn't slag him off at one stage but they've lost three games in a row they're only a point above the drop zone they face a Crystal Palace team that's 10th but only three points better off Mark O'Hare what's the angle here yeah I mean it uh, looks like an ugly game on paper but I, I think there's um, potential to get with Palace in this match um, big big win for them midweek uh, particularly coming from behind against Wolves to get it because there has been sort of murmurings of discontent around the Palace fan base um, around their season so far, which felt really harsh and, and quite premature, really, when you look at their schedule, which has been very difficult, really. But I guess the performance against Leicester wasn't great, and the first half against Leeds was pretty poor as well. And, it was very and warm for that game against Leicester, though. Very warm, really, really difficult conditions. Brendan Rodgers made the point it was very, very warm. That's why the players <laughs> were maybe a bit slow. I thought if he thought he was playing in the Azteca or something like that, it was extraordinary, really. But there was. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Le Leicester were the better team as well, so peculiar for him to sort of make that kind of assessment. But yeah, I mean, Fiera has performed above my own expectations of Palace. I think that's been well documented. And um, 
but there's still this kind of motivation around Palace to finish in the top half. That's still been their big target for for a while now, really. And that's a nice of- to have, though, isn't it? That's not like a. I mean, it's Crystal with massive, massive respect to Palace, who are very much like as a club. It, it, that's a nice to have being the top half of the table. It's not we're Palace, we must be in the Premier League's top ten, surely. No, not at all. And it's not. I'm, I'm certainly not digging them out for that. I think it's it's good to have those kind of targets and. Um, it feels something fairly historic, at least in, in the modern era, for Palace to be kind of uh, nestling in, inside the top ten of the Premier League. So, absolutely, shoot, shoot, shoot for the sun, really. But um, in terms of this match, you know, I can't get with Palace to back them. Um, I've said it before previously, and they've shown plenty of promise and progress. They have only won 14 Premier League games in 48 under Patrick Vieira now, and 10 of those 14 have come at Selhurst Park. So it's four wins from 24, 23 on their travels. So a pretty poor win rate you'd say for a team chasing a top half finish but what we can say is they tend to be pretty competitive very difficult to beat as they displayed uh, against Leicester and Leeds despite kind of you know not playing anywhere near their ability they're still getting results and I think the win uh, in midweek will do them the world of good they've got the rest advantage over Everton as well playing a day earlier um, but um, yeah they lost just six games against teams outside of the big six last season and this term they've only lost against uh, Arsenal, Chelsea and Man City. So I expect them to go to Goodison Park and put on a decent show and come away with at least a share of the spoils. Uh, against an Everton team, as you say, you know, you start feeling like they're heading in, in a positive direction. And then um, I guess the midweek was a, an abomination really at Newcastle. They managed just one shot at St. James's Park. Absolutely and completely, I'd say destroyed, but the scoreline doesn't suggest they were. But they, they were nowhere near getting a result in that game. And it was a really appalling display. So, of course, Everton at Goodison Park are... You know, deserve to be um, respected. They've picked up 1.5 points per game on average under Lampard at Goodison. Um, but ultimately, you look at the the underlying metrics. They've won twice this te- this season. They've scored multiple goals once. They've averaged 0.73 goals per game. They're second bottom on expected points. They're second bottom on expected goal ratio and second bottom on shot ratio. So you know, if you continue to sort of churn out those performances and don't offer enough going forward, you're going to find it very difficult to win football matches, and that's been the issue really throughout the whole campaign. Uh, we talked about Pickford playing above himself to keep Everton in matches and and sneaking points here and then, but uh, ultimately, I think Palace have enough about them uh, to at least get on the score sheet here. And if they do get on the score sheet, I certainly don't expect them to see them lose. But you can't obviously um, back at a high-scoring match here either, the way Everton are playing at the minute. So um, I thought. I wanted to back Palace plus a half. You're not going to get that, obviously, with Everton around 2.6 to win the game. You can back Palace double chance alongside under three and a half goals at 1.85, which is effectively the same price as backing Palace plus a quarter. So all we need is Palace to avoid defeat and fewer than four goals in the game. And we're getting the same price. So head to the bet builder. And, and that really appealed to me, actually. I think Palace can certainly take something from this game. They might not be able to win the game, but I can certainly see them drawing at least. And if you add in Jake Osgathorpe to slag off Frank Lampard, then you can boost that price on the bet builder. I think Emmett's added that market fairly recently. Uh, We were a bit sceptical about Liverpool's chances against Manchester City on here last week. Although Stinch did warn us not to back the champions at Anfield at odds on. Liverpool followed up that 1-0 win with a nervy 1-0 success against West Ham in midweek. Emmett, they visit Nottingham Forest on Saturday lunchtime. It's not quite happening for Forest at the moment, but we we should have expected that. They're a newly promoted side. They've got nine billion different players. It was always going to take a while to gel, wasn't it? Absolutely. I'm kind of I'm kind of looking at their squad. I'm just thinking like 
give the volume of players that that they actually they invested in and they didn't sign one they didn't spend money in a center half like and they're kind of they're relying on kind of Steve Cook, McKenna, and kind of a championship. Well, Nia Kate got injured, didn't he? Because yeah. I was I thought that was a okay. brilliant signing, Nia Kate coming in, but then he got injured and it's like it's not obviously he can't contribute at the moment. Yeah, just but they've kind of they've they've signed kind of they've kind of overloaded in certain positions, I feel like, and, and yeah. it's kind of yeah, definitely kind of a scattergun approach from which the owner, I think, I believe is is known for that that approach in in, uh, in Greece also and um, with his, with the other club he owns Olympiakos. But this game falls under the category of every team has its price. And I just think Liverpool are, too, are, are far too short here. Uh, as bad as as bad as Forest are, Liverpool just aren't Liverpool just aren't can't just don't convince me. Like Liverpool have the twelfth have the twelfth best defense in the league unexpected goals against twelfth. Like they were they were second last season. They conceded over two point five expected goals to West Ham during the week. Given given Liverpool's injuries as well, Liverpool can't can't rot, kind of rot, rotate their rotate their squad like Jurgen Klopp would like and it just kind of yeah like there's not much to recommend Forrest I think Steve Cooper's kind of changed changed their style of play from kind of the opening weeks of the season and they're kind of having their midfield drop a bit deeper and and they're kind of not really not really pressing teams high up the pitch and with kind of limited results, but I, I, I guess they, they have kind of slightly improved defensively. They were dominated in the XG by Brighton, but managed to keep a clean sheet against Wolves. Um, they, they kind of it was kind of a slightly unfortunate penalty that they conceded, but again, that was quite a tight game, pretty even on the expected goals. Again, against then against Aston Villa, they kind of conceded a kind of a, a pot shot from Ashley Young from outside the box, and they have conceded a lot of goals from outside the box this season, which is probably a little unfortunate. You could maybe blame Dean Henderson, but I, there's there's definitely luck involved in, involved in that too, which might kind of regress for them. So there are a little bit of signs they're getting a little bit better defensively, but just I, I can. I, I just I, I I kind of I I would, I would be hesitant to back them double chance, but the way I'd probably back Forest would be both teams to score. It's currently around even money. I just it's it's just it's just it's just kind of a anti Liverpool bet. Liverpool won't be able to able to rotate their squad. Their defence have struggled all season, and for as bad as Forest has been, I think they can make this into kind of a a two one or three one Liverpool win. So and and being kind of and be reasonably competitive. So I'm, I'm kind of yeah, just just feel Liverpool are too short based on based on their performance this season, and uh, and, and Forest can keep this somewhat competitive. It was a bit nervy at Anfield towards the end of that game. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Now, Stinch, quite rightly, has been getting a lot of love from fans of the show for his excellent MLS tips. So let's give the public what they want. Stinch, what do you have for us? Yeah, and. Uh... More specifically, there was some love for Cincinnati, so I thought I'll have a I'll have a quick look at the game. And actually, I've been very very impressed with what what's available on offer. Um, so I'm quite quite excited about this one as well. It's good. Uh, I like it when Stinch gets excited <laughs> about bets, <laughs> especially like random lower level stuff like the conference, like Dover away and stuff like exactly stuff like that. Exactly. Right. That's why you're um, on the show. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is the the, the knockout stage is now at the the MLS playoffs and uh, Philadelphia v Cincinnati is very early Friday morning. So, would um, if you can't stay up and watch it, would uh, get your bets on uh, like last thing Thursday night, ideally. Um, Philadelphia around about eight to eleven to uh, win the game. 
Although just having a look now, they've drifted to 17 to 20, which uh, is quite backable actually. Um, I'm not going to recommend it as I as I, ha I haven't written that one down. This is but... live as it's happening. This stinches the, the the mind is whirring. He's thinking. Well, they were four him. to six. <laughs> they were four to six last night, Kev. When I when I was looking and did all my notes. So to go to 17 to 20 is a, is a big drift, considering they've won the last nine home matches, and they've scored at least four goals in six of those. You know, they are they are a bit of a machine at at home, and Cincinnati <clears throat> do leak a lot of goals. So. Yeah, I would definitely have a look at that from a from a punting perspective. The ones I've got down are a bit more juicier. Um, so I was looking at uh, a goal heavy game um, over two and a half goals is a short of eight to thirteen. So I wouldn't recommend anyone to be going there. But what I really like the look of was both teams to score over one point five goals at bigger than four to one. Philadelphia, the way the game's priced up, Philadelphia are, in, are priced up as if they are likely to score two goals, Cincinnati one. So if the game does play out long term, how the odds suggest, we're seeing at least two one Philadelphia. And that's eight to 13, essentially over two and a half goals. So to go up to f over four to one to add an extra Cincinnati goal on top of that, I don't think is, is a huge leap. And when you look at the sort of their um, expected goal process, I mean, if you look at their goals, just raw goal data, Philadelphia scored 72 in 34 games. So that's 2.12 per game. Um, that's included in a way as well. And as I say, they're a bit of a beast at home. And Cincinnati have scored 66 in 35, so 1.89 per, per game. So only slightly less than two. Um, so, yeah, I just think this 4-1 to one is enormous for the team with the best goals per game record in the league versus the fourth best. And, yeah, and you look at the expected goals process, it kind of backs it up as well. Philadelphia um, averaging 1.8 expected goals um, per game and Cincinnati 1.6 so very much in line with, with what they're with what they're doing and those two things to happen both scoring over 1.5 goals as singles that's just four to seven for Philadelphia and just 11 to five for Cincinnati so again the increase to above four to one is 5.25 um, I just I just think is is really nice to, to get involved with and then there's a couple of player bets that I look like the look of mentioned last time uh, Brenner to score anytime yeah he he's three to one he's got 18 goals goals in 22 starts like it's just it's ridiculously good he's averaging 3.3 shots per 90 um, a healthy 2.1 are coming inside the penalty area which is always key in my mind if you're backing a guy to score a goal no surprises that the closer you are to the goal the better chance you have of scoring and over over 0.5 shots coming inside six yard box as well so he's getting himself into good areas and his teammates are finding finding him and he scored when the sides last met in august as well so i think that's really good at three to one and then a, a pro philadelphia one that caught my eye was uh, alejandro bedoya to register an assist he's 11 to 2 which is massive when you consider a lot of his teammates are around the three to one mark he's got six assists in his last 16 starts and he uh, he plays like a box-to-box -box role in, in a midfield three. So he's not the he's not like a number ten where he's going to get lots of opportunities to play these key passes. But if Philadelphia are in for say two goals and they're likely to score two goals, I think there's an excellent chance he could be involved in some of those passing moves. So yeah, there's three bets that I really like there, and, and I honestly I think Philadelphia at 17 to 20 could be one to add as well. Lovely stuff if you can get involved. Uh, Bundesliga now. 
Now, keep an eye on the team news in Borussia Dortmund against Stuttgart. But if Yusufa Mukoko starts for Dortmund, he's worth backing as an anytime goal scorer at 2.4. That boy has looked razor sharp in recent weeks. He was great in the cup against Hanover. I thought he'd scored, but actually it turned out to be an own goal. So he had that taken off him, but it was very much him who forced the opening goal in that one. He scored the winner against Schalke recently in the Rafia Derby. Scored a very important goal in the Classica against Bayern, which got them back into the game. Dortmund simply don't get a point out of that game if he doesn't score. Stuttgart, one of the worst teams in the division. So I think 2.4 for that is absolutely fine. Uh, let's bang that Christopher and Kunku drum because Leipzig <laughs> go to Augsburg and Kunku's 2.4. Now I was just about to say, hang on a let's second. Let's do it. No, no, no. It was always coming. Let's bang that Christopher and Kunku drum because had a goal disallowed last week. Uh, against uh, Hertha. Uh, very marginal offside. It was right, the decision, but he got into good areas. And he had a goal. Um, uh, he go was rested in midweek uh, in the game in the Cup, so he should start this one. And Augsburg, uh, defensively, uh, not very strong at all. And they had a very bruising encounter uh, with Bayern in midweek in the Cup, and they conceded five goals at home. So uh, a couple of anytime goal scorer bets for you there in the Bundesliga. And Emmett, you have something from Germany's top flight as well. Yeah, I'll add a third to that. So we've got a decent uh, a decent kind of treble for uh, punters looking for a goal scorer bet this, this weekend. The player is Marcus Thuram, I think. Yes. Yes. I think so. So I think like it's from this reading Rafael Honig's son over the years and it's listening to people who watch German football. It's kind of he's been thought of players who really could break out. He's been capped by he's been capped by France. And it's kind of but it has hasn't quite happened from a but at 25, it looks like this might be his year. Um he's he scores seven Bundesliga goals in kind of 10 stars this season, which is obviously solid. But I think to me the most the most notable thing about his numbers are he's 6.4 kind of a non-penalty expected goals, which is by far the highest the Bundesliga higher than any Bayern player but the, the kind of yeah. second in the non non penalty expected goals is, is around kind of four is around 4.8 so he's significantly uh, and so this this is no fluke from Turan and he looks and looks potentially on, on course to kind of get maybe kind of a 18 to 20 goal season and then maybe get and then maybe get get a move to kind of a Premier League or kind of a, or a bigger club around Europe well, he's out of contract at the end of the season and the more cynical among us in the Bundesliga community are suggesting that this uh, increase in output is down to that. I think he's had more shots than anybody in the Bundesliga this season as well. And I commentated on him in the game for Gladbach at Wolfsburg and he scored a brilliant goal and was just a menace throughout, through the middle. And I think that has changed it as well because largely he's been a winger in his time at Gladbach and Daniel Fark has changed it, moved him through the middle and he does look a lot more dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And he's kind of, um, yeah, a bit of the kind of the, <laughs> for the, for the slightly more middle aged listeners like myself, a bit of the Mark Viduka syndrome really kind of getting going when the contract. Wow, on the, there's one for the teenagers, Mark Viduka. Getting wow, going, okay. getting going when the contract's on the line. Um, yeah, but just uh, uh, given, given Thuram's goal score record this season, he's just, he's, he's at 3.1 to score any time, which does, does look big. This is, it's it, it, it kind of a munch and or at home, uh, kind of at, 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 at around, could have six to five against Eintracht Frankfurt in what should be a high scoring game over two to one looks a bit looks, looks a bit big just for a bit of context over two and a half goals in that game is is one to two so it, we should get plenty of goals and and hopefully get get to around to, to have a chance to click it over two to one 
If you're listening and you're thinking, who the hell is Mark Viduka? Find some videos of him. Uh, he was like a lavishly gifted wardrobe. He was an incredible player in attack. <laughs> did some uh, amazing things. Uh, he was uh, he was a chunky chap, but a very good player. Now. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. I know you have. Don't say you haven't. I know you've been waiting. It's Scott Watch with Mark O'Hare. Yeah, uh, moving away from Scottish League Two this time. We're going up a, a level to the you daredevil Scottish League One. I'm going to focus on Falkirk, who are quite a big team for the third tier of Scottish football. Actually, they've um, they basically messed up their last two seasons when they've been really well fancied to, to go well and, and challenge for, for title honours. So they've, uh, they're have they stuck in the third tier, but they're starting to, to motor in the right direction. They've got a very experienced head coach in John McGlynn, who's uh, had previous success at guiding teams out of League One. So I'm expecting them to go pretty well this season. They're behind uh, Don Fermlin, who are the pace setters unbeaten in that league so far. But Falkirk absolutely rated as the, the second best te- team in the division through a number of metrics, um, really rock solid shot data. And they head into the weekend uh, with just one one defeat in the last uh, 10 games, uh, six wins in that time, and they're scoring really freely as well. But they're doing their best work at home. Four wins, one draw and zero defeats in front of their home supporters this season, scoring twice or more in four of those fixtures. But it's the, the way in which they're playing at home, which is really sort of standing out. Their shot tallies in those matches 14, 24, 14, 21 and 9, uh, an average of 16.4, which is really, really strong. Uh, they're fresh from a 3-1 success at home to Alloa on Tuesday night uh, and expecting them to put up some really good numbers again this weekend. And if they do so, they should be able to beat Kelty Hearts um, with room to spare, really. So you can back Falkirk to win and over one and a half goals at 2.2, which is a really nice increase on, on Falkirk to win, which is trading around about 1.8. So uh, you're basically asking Falkirk to, to win and score at least twice in this match, which is more than capable of but even more so because Kelty are a newly promoted team struggling to sort of really sort of find their place in, in League One right now uh, doing most of their best work at home themselves but away from home they've been uh, appalling really they've lost all five games since promotion they've conceded twice or more in all five and that includes in, includes going away to the bottom two teams Clyde and Peterhead Peterhead in particular are just no hopers this season and if Peterhead can beat them and score twice there's absolutely no reason why Falkirk can't do similar so um, 2.2 on Falkirk to win and over one and a half goals and uh, delighted to say that uh, I can welcome the Peterhead squads uh, oh they're they're not coming on Oh, okay. That's a shame. I, I thought they were going to come on. See, I joke that this is genuinely one of my favourite bits of the show now, Scott Watch, and now you're locked into it, Mark O'Hare. We have to have one of these every single week. Now, it is time for the world-famous podcast treble, a betting feature so revered that even Cristiano Ronaldo stays to listen to the entire thing. How it works is each of the guys come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action, and lovely traders like Emmett wrap it up in a boosted treble. And Emmett, I will start with you yeah i'll give the explanation for this in the in the kind of in our sunday podcast but Brent, brentford winner winner draw double chance away to aston villa um hopefully Stephen Sherrod is is is, uh, is still there as manager because that's the only thing i can see kind of he might not be yeah yeah yeah. he's <laughs> actually he's as short as two to nine as we as we record for the sack race but um just given villa's performances this season i think uh, brentford are a bit big and i think they're i can definitely see them avoiding defeat and uh, eight to eleven looks a pretty fair price we're going to look at that game in detail on our Sunday show. Uh, Stinch, what have you got for us? Uh, firstly, Kev, do we owe you an apology because Leicester v Palace finished 0-0 last weekend? Oh, yes. 
actually. Oh, I was going to skate over that, to be honest. But no, no apology required. But I had forgotten about that, actually. Yes, we, we've all kind of lost faith in everything now. Oh, that, that's a real moment of ennui for me now. Okay, carry on. I'd forgotten about that entirely. So we definitely owe we owe a bit back to the to the punters. Um, oh yeah, I'm we gonna... talked for ages about that, didn't we? About how it was going to be an amazing game. I, th- I think I think my response to that had been to shut it out of my brain, and now you've kind of opened this Pandora's box of sadness. But never mind. Carry on. We didn't factor in the temperature, obviously. We should have yeah, it's too hot. Simply, yeah. simply too hot. There's our get-out-of-jail-free card. I will go for uh, Tottenham to beat Newcastle at evens. Tottenham won 11 of the last 12 home games. And Mark? Yeah, I'll go Falkirk. Uh, I think they're a lovely <laughs> price to beat County Hearts. So, yeah, that's a nice little mix. Premier League and Scottish League one sensational stuff that's all we have time for sadly on this edition of football only better please do remember to gamble responsibly remember we have a sunday show we'll have premier league tips seria liga you name it i've heard all the cool kids listen on a sunday really so make sure you're not left out from mark from Emmett, from stinch and from me it's goodbye for now